Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Judges 13, 1 through 6 and 16 through 18. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God, very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, If you detain me, I will not eat of your food, but if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? So that when your words come true, and we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Welcome to Audacity Church. We're glad you're here this morning. If you're a guest, thanks for uh, coming, hanging out with us this morning. Uh, we hope you enjoyed worship. Our team always does a, a fantastic job. And uh, my, I only ask is that you just prepare your heart to receive something from God today, not from me, uh, not from some goofy kid from Cincinnati, uh, but from the Holy Spirit, and just allow God to, to speak to you today. Uh, uh, the third week of um, what we're calling No Other Name, and in Acts chapter 4, there's a verse that says, um, there is no other name under heaven by which among men we must be saved. And so that's the verse that the whole series has been uh, based on or, or built around. And our verse for uh, what we're looking at for four weeks is in Isaiah chapter 9. And we're really we've taken, is that me? Um, um, we're taking, uh, I have no idea. Um, y'all are welcome. Uh, we're taking four weeks and we're just looking at one verse. And um, here, we'll just do this all Pentecostal, Pentecostal style. Hallelujah. Don't get me started. I might start running and dancing. I have no rhythm. That would be funny. Jeremy, I'm going to move everything off of here. All right. You guys want to get started sometime? Are we going to do something? All right, let's try this again. Can everybody hear me? What? All right. (laughs) There we go. We got the handheld, so who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen? All right. In Acts chapter 4, we're in a series called No Other Name. Uh, Week 1, we looked at what's in a name. Why does a name matter, and what is uh, so important about the name Jesus the Christ? This is getting excited off in here. Hallelujah. All right. The second week, uh, for those of you that joined us last week, 
Ashley, my wife, gave us a, an amazing and a unique perspective on uh, just the birth of Christ and what it meant, what it meant in, uh, in Isaiah chapter uh, 9, for a child is born and yet a son is given. And we're going to unpack the rest of this verse in chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And that's where we're going to uh, rest over this week and uh, the next week. Let me pray. Uh, Father, we uh, we thank you that your word promises us that you inhabit the praises of your people. And as we have made much of the name of Jesus through worship and prayer, I pray uh, that you would be glorified uh, through the remainder of our time together. I pray that uh, distractions would be removed in the name of Jesus. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be welcomed in this place and that he would continue to move in the hearts and minds of your people. I pray that uh, you would uh, give me... Um, clear words to say today and what you've laid on my heart and I pray that it would be you that speaks through me. I am a stubborn and opinionated man and I pray that you get all of that out of the way and so that I can just speak truth today and uh, we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before we dive into wonderful counselor today, um, there is a sentence, if you will, or a few words that we're, we were not addressing. We were going to unpack it last week, and we, we, Ashley and I talked, and we decided that we didn't think it would work best. And this is in Isaiah chapter 9. It says, the government shall be upon his shoulders. And you'll hear, um, and you'll hear people say that this has to do with uh, Jesus holding all things together. Or you'll hear people say uh, that Jesus is, um, has, the, uh, the, the, has the government upon his shoulders now. And I believe, and I want you to hear me, that it is, it, it is a mistranslation of the Word of God. It, it, what people are, let me, uh, I know. What I know is that the majority of Christians, almost 80% of them, really believe this idea that Jesus sits on a, a, a um, um, it's not a literal throne. Jesus rules in our hearts. And the, the teaching started, it was less than 2,000 years ago, right after the birth of the church. You don't even find it mentioned until five, five or 600 A.D. But let me explain this to you. Jesus has yet to hold the government upon his shoulders. When Jesus came, the only thing that was placed upon his shoulders was a cross. Jesus didn't sit on a, a throne and rule. And here's what happens, and some of you are going to be uncomfortable and know that your pastor loves you. The problem is, is the Western church is a New Testament church. The problem is that the Western church doesn't appreciate or understand the only Bible that the apostles and Jesus had, and they don't understand the Old Testament. And without a clear understanding of what the Old Testament says and what the Old Testament prophesied about the coming Messiah, what we do is we sit and we, we, we falsely interpret things. So just let me, know you, let me tell you what I believe the Bible says. Jesus is coming again. Okay? Do we, we everybody agree on that? Okay, okay, good. Thank you, David. The second thing is this. Jesus is coming 
to rule and reign and sit on the throne of David because the Bible said he would. He is going to sit on a literal throne and rule literally. What does that look like? I don't know. Is that heavy? Yes, it is. But the witness of Scripture is that Jesus is not done. He's not done with earth. And so this government shall rest upon his shoulders. It's something that is to come. It's something that is in the future. Uh, Paul spends a great deal of time uh, hammering this home in the book of Romans, which so many preach from, but yet they don't understand. Smack dab in the middle of Romans, there's three chapters where Paul hammers the idea home that Jesus is not done in Israel. He is not done with the Jewish people. And for those of us in the American church that think that Jesus had a suntan, blonde hair, a pretty beard, rode a surfboard, and walked around and was like, peace, dudes. I mean, it's a false idea of who Jesus is and who he was. And who he's going to be. And so that the government, just know this, the government has yet to rest upon Jesus' shoulders, but yet one day it will. And I love that this, this transition in this sentence, and it says this, and his name shall be called. And so today we're going to look at two of the names. We're going to look at the word wonderful. Everybody say wonderful. All right. Remember that these, are, we introduced this in week one, these are more than just uh, names. They're, they're almost literal names. And we're going to be looking at these as aspects of his character and how it applies to you and I. And the Bible story that Ashley read is what we're going to base the first um, word on. So wonderful means this. It means wonder or marvel. It means extraordinary. It means hard to understand. It is a wonder of acts of, of God's judge or redemption. So if you're anything like me and you're like, hey, I don't get grace. Like, I have a real hard time forgiving people that, like, cut me off on the highway. Is there anybody else like that? I'm serious. Do people get their license from, like, Cracker Jack boxes? Can you do that here? I mean, and then I have a hard time. I'm, I'm like, 10 miles past the cutoff, and I'm still thinking about, like, the white Toyota Tundra. And I'm like... That dude really just ruined the last three minutes of my drive because he's all I've thought about. I don't understand grace. You guys know that we taught about it uh, a couple of months ago, and we just talked about what scandalous grace meant, and we tried to unpack this idea. But I think it's one of these things that's just, as, as it says, a wonderful act of God's judgment and redemption. Whenever you stand in wonder, you're like, man, I don't even understand how God can love that way. It means wonderfully or wonderful things. It's just wonderful. When Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says that his name shall be called wonderful, I couldn't find one time in Scripture. I was like, okay, Isaiah, you are lying. I mean, you say his name will be called wonderful, but I can't find a place in Scripture and I was looking in the New Testament. I was trying to find a place where somebody just addressed him as wonderful. And you can't find it. Outside of Isaiah chapter 9, there's only one instance that I can find where Jesus is called wonderful. And it's in the book of Judges. Some of you are like, hold on, Ronnie. Judges is in the Old Testament. Good for you, Bible scholar. It, yes, it is. It is. It is. For those of you that came to the Submerge Retreat, and with the materials, uh, we have them where you can access them. Just send me an email, um, and I'll get them to you. But we spend a great deal of time unpacking the idea of what's called a theophany. 
Okay? And the theophany is a place, and it only happens in the Old Testament, where Jesus shows up. And, and we spend a great deal of time unpacking what a theophany is. And, okay, Ronnie, what are you talking about? How does Jesus show up in the Old Testament? And what we taught is that it's every time you see the angel of the Lord. It is the only angel that allows himself to be worshipped. I don't know. It's the, it's the monitors. Okay. I'll just stand like this. You guys know I can't stand still. This is... Just take a step back. Okay. All right. If I trip over something. Are we having fun yet? All right. Where were we at? Everybody remember theophanies? All right. You're going to learn something today. A theophany is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. And we can see him over and over again. And I don't have time to unpack it today because I have more content I want to give you. But I need you to just know that this is Jesus showing up. An angel would have never allow himself to be worshipped. And yet we see this angel allowing himself to be worshipped. In Judges chapter 13, this is verse 11. It says, And Manoah arose and went to his wife and came to him. And the man said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? Now, just as a reminder... In the book of Judges, we see the children of Israel walk away from God. They stop living for God, and then God brings upon you know uh, a, a person. It's, all, it's almost always the Philistines, and they, they persecute them, and they, they're slaves underneath them. And then what happens? And then God raises up a judge or someone to lead the people. And so these people have been suffering for 40 years, and God shows up, and just like the, um, um, in, in his typical style, he shows up and he says, hey, guess what? Someone's coming. He's going to be a Nazarite. And this is the pre-story of Samson. This is the before he is born. And uh, he shows up to the, the mom, the wife. He doesn't show up to the husband yet. So when the husband meets him, he says this. He goes, hey, listen, I want to give you some street cred when this goes down. And we're telling everybody, yeah, I know she's been barren, but who do we give, who do we give credit to? And I want you to notice this. He says, are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said what? Oh, y'all are following along up behind me. And he said what? It's not it. Hallelujah. Hard to follow along behind me. Let me tell you what it says. It says, I am. Next slide, Lee. It says, I am. Was that, that, was, that went really as well as I had it here to go in my notes. And the angel, uh, Manoah said to the angel, well, who do we ask or who do we tell? Who do we give the credit to? And the angel of the Lord said, why do you ask? seeing that my name is wonderful. Hmm. If you remember, we talked about a couple weeks ago, the word logos, it's in, in Jesus are all things. When John intentionally uses that word in John chapter 1, he is saying in the word or in the logos are held together all things. What is too wonderful? Proverbs chapter 9, if you just want to study that chapter this afternoon or this week, it is all devoted to just the wonder of the wisdom of who Jesus is. When I think about wonder, the wonder of Jesus, I really think about the glory. The word glory in Hebrew is translated kavod. Everybody say kavod. Man, y'all learning some Hebrew up in here. Good for y'all. Kavod. Kavod. It means glory. Now, I, I want to define this word for you a, a little bit. It means honor, abundance, reverence, which is it's a cool word, glory. What does it mean for Jesus to be too wonderful for you, too wonderful for me? 
The word kavod also has a part that if you just read the definition, you don't see the application, you don't dig through commentaries like I do. It also means a weight. It also means almost like a felt presence. See, the wonderfulness of Christ, the glory of God, the kavod of God is a weight. And I'm assuming everybody in this room has had that experience. Everybody in this room has had, and I'm going to give you a few, just most recent memory. Um, my daughter, who was not in here, when our kids turn 13, we tell them to give us a list of places you get to pick the vacation. I really thought this was smart when we only had a few kids. This was a dumb idea now that we have nine. Um, but I, I thought, man, I'm a really cool dad. This is going to be great. Now, No, it's a bad idea. For, so kids, don't try to talk your parents into it. I said, you can go anywhere you want. Give me a list. And she wrote, ocean, ocean, ocean. Okay, so apparently we're going to the ocean. My son, who just turned 13 yesterday, the Great Wall of China was on his list. And I explained to him that he, married, he was raised in the wrong family. My dad doesn't have Great Wall of China budget yet. I mean, we're just not there. Maya picked the ocean. And... Um, my family is, uh, we finally, after, uh, you know, two days of traveling, we pull into the condo, and we're right on the beach, and, and we don't even want, the kids don't even want to go upstairs. They want to run out to the ocean. And so they run across this long deck that, I mean, it looked like it took forever, and then they go down these stairs, and I'm trying to catch up with them because I'm old, and I'm trying to count and make sure everybody's there. And whenever I get there, I see my kids getting their feet wet, and they're digging their feet for the first time in the sand. None of them had ever seen the ocean before. And it was in that moment for me, it was a kavod moment. It was a moment where I really, in the grandness of his creation, and then his compassion towards allowing me to share this moment with my family, I just felt the presence of God. Maybe for you it's somewhere else. Maybe it's on top of a mountain. Maybe for you, uh, uh, the most recently, as uh, Silas was born um, a month ago, five weeks, and um, every time at the birth of one of our kids, I ju- it is like this holy moment where God just shows up, and you can see him in, in Ashley, who is really uh, uncomfortable, for lack of a better word, and then this beautiful child is there. I don't know what your kavod moment, I don't know where it is. Maybe it was the day that you realized that you were far from God. And maybe it was the day that you realized that you didn't have to earn his approval anymore. Maybe it was the day that salvation and grace became real to you and you realized the Father loves me no matter what. Jesus completely revolutionizes the way that we view God. When his followers said, hey, teach us to pray, Jesus in Matthew 6-ish, look it up later, 5 to 7, somewhere in there, he says this. They say, teach us to pray. And he says, our Father who art in heaven. And when you and I say that, it sounds all proper, right? When you and I say it's like our Father, and let me think we, we sing that we should like be singing with the Vienna Boys Choir, our Father. That's why I don't sing. Uh, and we, it's all proper. 
But the word that Jesus uses there is a word that truly changed the life of the disciples because it was Abba. Everybody say Daddy. And that's how you're supposed to come to him. Our Abba, maybe for you the Kavad moment, the, when he became too wonderful, is when you realize that everything that you've ever, every mistake that you've ever made, every impure thought that you've ever had, every selfish and covetous action that you've ever taken, all of those things were placed upon the cross on Jesus, and it's too wonderful to understand. It's too wonderful to explain. And his name shall be called Counselor. There are so many that I could have pulled from for this. There are, there's plenty of verses where you see Jesus and the Holy Spirit called Counselor. It means to advise, to consult, to counsel, to give purpose, to help devise a plan. It is a Counselor. And like I said, there's lots of places that Jesus has called this. But there's a couple that I, I wanted to focus on. I, maybe just one, we'll see. See, the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God, makes it the power of God in our life, those that are following Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3 says this, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's the riches that's given to us. It's according to the riches of the glory. He may grant to you strength and power through his spirit in our inner being. We have the ability to walk just like Jesus walked, to be just like Jesus to people that are far from God and to people that are hurting. The problem is, is that you and I don't want to submit to that. We don't want to fully live that way. But it, the reason that Christ came, the reason he died is not only did he make you right with God, but he also wanted to make you just like himself. The Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives on side of each and every one of us, giving the ability for us to live as Jesus did. But I want to focus on something a little bit different. See, Jesus is working alongside the Holy Spirit to be the counselor in your life. Some of you say, well, Ronnie, how do I make Jesus the counselor in my life? I want to give you a couple of different things. Will you open your Bible? Well, I'm serious. Will you open the app at least? Will you, will you spend half as much time on your Bible, on your Bible app, as you do all your other social media apps? For every two minutes that you peruse Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, will you spend one minute just seeking the wonderful counselor? So I went two days without social media on my phone. I was not a happy person. I was having thoughts that Jesus was not proud of about a cell phone company. I was working through some stuff. God forgave me, so y'all should too. But I was like, are you serious? I'm all disappointed because I can't see what Sarah Ryer's doing on Facebook today. I used her in my last Facebook reference, didn't I? I did. That's sorry. That's two. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I, I'm like, man, is, is that really it? I mean, I missed Johnny's birthday because I wasn't on Facebook. I mean, are you kidding me? I should have saw, it showed up a day later, right? I mean, two days without social media, and you would have thought that you would. I mean, I'm serious, there's something wrong with me. I probably should go through a 12 steps detox of social media. I I, I, I told Ashley, I don't even know if I want to add it back on my phone after two days. Just so you know that I'm not as spiritual as y'all think I am, I did. 
<laughs> pray for me. I added it back. Will you spend? Just, will you spend half the time that you spend on social media in the presence of the wonderful Counselor? Every decision that you need to make, he has wise counsel to give you. Every direction that you're questioning about what to do, every decision that you need to make, it's all there, laid out for you. And yet we don't dust it off to see what God wants to give us. Well, that wasn't the point. That was free. You're welcome. Jesus wants to be your guide. Understand that. If you, if you don't, just understand that he wants to pour into you. He wants to lead you every step of the way. He wants to walk with you. This one's a little too much for me. When I think about the counselor, I think about the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to defend you. The only way that you can walk in the Spirit is if you're submissive to it. The only way that you can be submissive to the Holy Spirit is if you're spending time in the presence of God. The only time you're going to spend present time with God is through prayer and study. But do you know that the Holy Spirit is there? He's there um, much like a, a legal advocate. He's there to defend you against your enemy, especially the enemies of your heart. See, without a the Holy Spirit wants to defend you against doubt. The Holy Spirit wants to help defend you against fear. The Holy Spirit wants to help defend you against your past. The Holy Spirit wants to help defend you against your insecurity. Guys, let me explain this to you. Just, man, I, I need you to get this deep on the inside. When you're struggling in a moment, you're saying, man, I, all I do is screw up. And you hear these thoughts, you are such a failure. The last time you tried that, you blew it. Man, you, are, you need to be a better mom. Gosh, if you were a better sibling, you know what? You need to be a better dad. You know, you, you every time, and, and what happens is your mind starts to define you by your, your past. Let me explain that to you. That's the only way the adversary can come against you. He doesn't know you by your name. He only knows you by your failures, and his hope is you will allow yourself to be defined by those. And what the Holy Spirit wants to come alongside you and says, no, you are a son, you are a daughter of the Most High King. The Holy Spirit wants to come alongside you and say, no, you are more than your past because God has a plan and a future for you. What happens if you're anything like me? We get so busy in life, we don't take the time to allow the Holy Spirit through the written Word of God and through our prayer life to speak to us. And so we walk around defined by something or not. Another thing I think about when I think about the Holy, when I think about Jesus being your counselor, when I think about Jesus being there for you, the Bible says that uh, Jesus is making intercession on your behalf. The Bible says that right now that Jesus is on the right hand of the throne of God and he is praying for you. This is going to be one of those uh, kavod moments for some of y'all. As the adversary is trying to define you, as you're walking in a false name, as you're seeing yourself as not how Jesus sees you, let me explain this to you. You know, uh, when you blew it this week, and I don't know what it was, I'll give a few examples of my own. 
when I had hatred and bitterness in my heart because of a highway? Seriously, grow up, Ronnie, you're almost 40. When uh, I was impatient because uh, my cell phone company that I've been calling for months, months, about my cell phone, and people told me I was crazy, had one lady, one run report, she said, in the last six weeks I've had 150 drop calls. She's never seen that on anybody's plan before. And I'm like, I've been calling for weeks and months to try to get, and in this moment, I am so angry, I'm ready to cancel and, like, burn the building down. I know you all are better than I am. Uh, This week, I I really uh, lost patience with my son for something that didn't deserve to be lost patience over. And I'm tearing him up, and I'm tearing him down because he carved something in a piece of wood. You know, this week I was jealous because I've not seen my wife, and I was so upset with my kids. I wanted to give them vodka so they would sleep through the night. I think that's really... Y'all aren't like me, I know. Y'all are so much more spiritual than I am. Welcome to Audacity. But it's true, you know, it's true. Sorry, can't wait. This is, I can't, I have to have a longer chain than this. So I'm going to give you me. Let me tell you what happens this week. Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the throne of God, and the Father is looking at my sin. And the Father says, I am Kadosh. Everybody say Kadosh. It means holy. It's the Hebrew word for holy. It means he is completely apart from sin. He is separated from sin. And so the father looks at me today and he said this week and he says there there goes Ronnie again. He has hatred in his heart, he is impatient with his family. If something doesn't go his way, he gets all worked up about it. He's got so much sin because there's so much pride in his heart. And that's what the father sees and the father sees that and he says, "You know what? Sin has a price and the price of sin is death." And so the father looks at me and he says, "That person deserves death." And then Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God as our legal defense, as our advocate, as our counselor. And Jesus is saying, Father, it's Ronnie again. He blew it with impatience. Gosh, yeah, he still has so much pride in his heart, and we're working that out. But Father, you are just. And you deserve, and your justice requires a punishment. And Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God this week, making intercession on my behalf. He's making intercession on your behalf. And this is what he said. He says, Father, I already paid for that. And your justice will not allow you to charge twice for the same sin. And see, that's what it means to have a counselor. Jesus is too wonderful for words. We are so spoiled. Do you know by sitting in this room, just sitting in this room, I know that you're in the top 3% in the world. In the world. God has bestowed so much favor on you just by allowing you to be born in this hemisphere. God has bestowed so much favor on you, so wonderful, just by letting you 
by letting you being born in this country and in living in this country and gathering in a movie theater today without no fear. As he's too wonderful for words. And not only does he want to be the counselor that leads and guides you, but I want you to know if you know Jesus and you've committed your life to him and you've asked him to step out of heaven, to step into your life, you've said, I am a sinner. Apart from you, I am lost. And once you allow Jesus to come and be a part of your life, it's called salvation. Once you take part in that, then he's the counselor that wants to lead and guide every step. But he's also sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And every time you blow it, he says, Father, when you see him, when you see her, you have to see me because they're covered in my blood. And that's what salvation is all about. That's what giving our lives to Jesus is all about. See, our heart doesn't like grace. Our heart doesn't like the gospel because the gospel says it's finished. The gospel says it's done. You and I are earners. We would much rather try to earn things than just accept it as a free gift. Ashley surprises me every year. 16 years. She keeps getting me stuff on Christmas, and it drives me crazy. Like, we don't have money to be buying me stuff for Christmas. we got a bunch of other people to buy for. I can't even accept a gift at Christmas from my wife. How in the world am I going to work out accepting salvation for free? Seriously. Guys, it's a gift from the wonderful counselor. Would you stop thinking that God is against you and start knowing that he is for you? I want to add this. You exist, I exist for one purpose, and it's to glorify God. That's it. Nothing else. And so when God allows something in my life, I'm always praying, God, if this is going to make me more like you, if this is drawing me closer to you, bring it on. If you're going to allow me to walk through this so that it glorifies you, I'll walk through whatever you want me to walk through, whether that's favor or whether that's a season of frustration, whatever it might be. We have to get to the place, understand that God is for you. Would you stop thinking that he's against you? Jeremy, will you come? Will you stop thinking that God is uh, like setting booby traps so that you fail and blow it? Will you stop thinking that God allows things in your life because you, he's, he's mad at you? And will you start to realize that some of the things he allows in your life, it's to make you more like his son, Jesus? On the cross, Jesus cries, my God, my God. It is the only time that Jesus in his entire recorded ministry that we have that he does not call God Father. And in that moment, he doesn't call God Father. Because he was in you and I place. You and your, your place and my place. He was in the place of wrong. He was in a place carrying the weight of sin. And he's separated from God so that you and I never have to look at God as anything but Abba. He bore the weight of your sin and my sin on the cross so that we never had to be separated from God. And yet you and I are going to wake up tomorrow living separated from him for whatever reason. Will you take some time? Just reflect on this. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to reflect on these words as I just speak them over you for the next couple of minutes. 
Jesus was stripped naked so that you could be fully clothed in righteousness. Jesus was stripped naked so you could be fully clothed in righteousness. Jesus' body was beaten so that your body could be healed. Jesus' body was beaten so that your body could be healed. Jesus was torn apart, he was spit upon, and he was ridiculed so that you could be praised. Jesus was separated on the cross from the Heavenly Father so that you and I could be reunited with our Heavenly Father. Jesus had everything that the Father had, and yet He left it so that we could share it with Him. Will you pause in life to see the awesomeness, the wonderfulness of Jesus? Will you pause and seek the presence of He who is wonderful, who wants to be your counselor? Will you pause and see that God is for you, even though circumstances and trials may overwhelm you? Will you walk in the confidence of what Jesus has already done and not walk being defined by who you were, the mistakes that you've made? And will you walk in the confidence of the future that He has for you and not the past that attempts to define you? Will you see Jesus today as a wonderful counselor? Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.